when Zach gave me a little summary like he just did for you about their life group and what they've been about the last few years, I, I just said, man, we, we need to hear about that. And that's, that's what we're shooting for with our life groups. That's, that's our primary, it's not our only vehicle for discipleship, but it's our primary vehicle for discipleship so that you can gather together with other believers, study God's word, and live life together. And what a perfect example of that, Zach. Thank you for sharing that today. And I know every life group has its own personality and dynamic. They're not all the same. But I believe that we we're seeing God do similar things as Zach described this morning in all of our life groups. And I'm excited about it. Next week, we'll roll out more information on life groups and which ones are available and, what, and when they're meeting and things like that. So next week, we'll do a formal rollout of that. My name is Mike Sindelar. Uh, I don't know if you remember me or not. I've, I've been gone for a while. Thank you. <laughs> what's, what's that? Yeah, somebody called me a guest speaker today. So, um, so today might mark the end of the summer. And we all lament that, and I'm with you on that. But this Sunday is always a great day to get together and en- enjoy the fellowship of our church family. For me, the Great Valley family get-together means that we're stepping out, we're stepping forward, we're stepping into another season of ministry, an exciting season of ministry. And this fall is no different. There's a lot of exciting things happening that, uh, that we just haven't talked about this morning. I, I believe a lot of them are in your bulletin, but we've talked about life groups already. Sunday school is starting next week for, for kids, and the adult Sunday school, which, is, which has already been described, I'm excited about those things. Crux is, is, is starting their season, and they've got some, um, well, just a lot of things going on. I'm excited for that. By the way, uh, I'm reminded this week that it's Caleb's second anniversary here at Valley Free this week. He started on this day two years ago. So I don't see Caleb. I, he must be outside helping to get set up, I suppose. I don't know. Um, we're going to be preaching from the Beatitudes starting two weeks from today. Um, and I'm excited about, we're going to be working through the Sermon on the Mount for several months here coming up, most of the school year, if not farther. Uh, lots of good things in there. I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm excited about the fall hike that's coming up in a few weeks. We do that every year, but this year we're adding a little bit of a, a twist to it. We're going to do some geocaching. I've never done that before, but we're going to do that on this hike. Caleb is setting that all up going to be great fun. Uh, we have some movie nights planned for the year, uh, some great movies coming out that we're, we're looking forward to showing. We have Orphan Sunday coming up this fall. The Houston ministry trip is going out the first week of November to help with the hurricane recovery. In a couple of weeks, we're going golfing with the Love, Inc. organization. Uh, if you want to be part of that, let us know, but we're looking forward to that. Celebrate Recovery is starting this Tuesday night with a step study. And if you want to be involved with that, uh, contact the church office, contact Kathleen, and uh, we'll get you going on that as well. I'm excited about what that means for us. I'm excited for Christmas. We're going to study Jesus as our King. Behold, the King is coming at Christmas, and I'm excited about that already. Open Mic Sunday coming up at Thanksgiving is just around the corner. Uh, we've got G3 men's events. We've had women's ministry going on. Uh, the elders are taking a retreat, a planning retreat. Uh, that's always a uh, a rich time for us as elders. 
I'm looking forward to seeing new faces and new families be part of Valley Free. I think this is going to be a great season. I think it's going to be a great season. There's lots more going on. I think we should be excited about all those things. But there's an important question that we need to ask as we look ahead to this coming season. And that is, why do we gather? What makes us excited for all the activities on the calendar? Now, and I think about that question, I used to joke that it was my job to make sure you're here at church at least three times a week. But that joke lost its humor after a while, and we realized our job is not to get you here three times a week. It's not our goal. But I wonder, are we simply satisfied to be busy? I wonder, are we simply satisfied to fill up the calendar with lots of fun and entertaining things? Are we, are we, are we simply satisfied with keeping the kids busy like we need another activity to keep the kids busy, right? I wonder, why are you here? Maybe you're here because your spouse made you come. Maybe your parents didn't give you a choice this morning. Maybe you're here out of loyalty or habit or tradition. And maybe, and I hope this is true, and I believe it to be true, we have loftier goals than that. We desire to learn from God's word. We, like, we long to see other people, other Christian friendships, like, like Zach talked about this morning with the, the friendships that, are, that have developed over time. Maybe we're here to worship, and worship this morning was just, music worship was just fabulous this morning. And we long for that. We long to see God. We long to worship him and to, and to come face to face with him. So let me ask this question again. Why are you here today? Why are we here today? Why are we gathering today? And I submit to you this morning that there are very significant motivations that draw us here today that bring us together as a church family. There's more to what we do than the cause of an, any other group. We're gathered here to meet with the Lord. We're gathered here to experience his life together. And we're gathered here to call others into life with Jesus. So over these next two Sundays, today and next week, we're going to take the time to look at our purpose statement, our mission statement, and next week Caleb is going to take us through our values as a church family. You see, it's important to step back for a season. It's important to step back before a season begins, before we get rolling into a busy calendar year. It's important to step back and ask ourselves, why do we do what we do? My prayer is that we will all share in the enthusiasm and expectation of what God has for us, what he's doing in our midst. That means looking beyond the calendar. That means looking into the purposes of God for his people. That's you and me. A little over six years ago, the elders began a process, a thorough process of refreshing our mission statement as a church family. At the time, the board took several months, uh, maybe up to a year, I don't remember, took several months to answer the question, why are we here? So here's how we summarized the answer to that question. This is where our study took us. We came to our purpose statement. I think it's on the screen. You also have it in your bulletin. You have a little bookmark card that's got these things on it in your bulletin. We exist to bring God glory. Bring glory to God by inviting all people into an abundant life with Jesus Christ. That's the big picture. That's what we're doing. It includes worship. 
It includes evangelism, inviting all people. It involves, it, it includes discipleship, inviting us to go farther with Jesus. And it all focuses on one thing, and that is relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, that's the big picture. And then our mission statement seeks to take a few more active or, 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 or tangible steps towards that purpose statement. And our mission statement says, says this, our mission is to establish people in a living relationship with God, to equip believers to worship, grow, and serve, and to experience the fullness of God. I break that down by saying establish, equip, and experience. Or we, we have a church motto of worship, grow, serve. It all comes out of that. That's why we're here to establish you, no matter where you are in your relationship with Jesus, if you're, if you're st- still looking at Jesus and wondering if you should receive him or not, or if you've been a Christian for 30 years, we want to take you where you are and move you further into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it means to establish. Then we want to equip you to, to be involved in ministry, to be giving your life away, to be giving your faith away. We want to be equipping you to do that. And it's all, it all goes to the idea of experience. We want you to experience everything that God has for you. There it is. That's our passion. We don't know what God has for you. We don't know what course or direction God has for your life, but we want to help you get there. We want you to experience all of Jesus. And then next week, we'll look at the values that come out of that discussion as well. Worship, word, generosity, mission, community, and family. Caleb will be walking us through that next week. Those are the things that we measure everything by. Over the course of our study a few years ago, six or seven years ago, we looked extensively at Scripture to discover what God reveals about His purposes, what He says about His calling, what He says about His mission for His people. And as you can imagine, God didn't, God's not quiet on this topic. There are a lot of verses that reveal to us what God is about and what He's trying to accomplish. When we compiled a list of passages that we thought spoke to God's purpose and his mission, what he's calling his people to be about, we, we wrote them all down. We, we, we listed it. We wrote, wrote out every one of the passages. We came up with four pages of scripture verses related to God's purposes. And I'm sure that that's just a toe in the water, right? We came up with four pages of verses that, that summarize what we believe are to be God's purposes. And we won't go over all those this, this, uh, today. We, we, we look back at, at Old Testament. We looked at the life of Jesus and what did he say about his mission, his purposes. We looked at the life of Paul and the teaching of Paul and the apostles. And God makes it very clear what he wants us to be about. And I think our mission statement says that. Our purpose statement says that. Over the last few years, I've given several different teachings on our purpose statement and our mission statement. And I've always taken it from different key passages. So today I'd like to lift another one of those passages off of our our worksheet and I'd like to look at it and see and I'm really excited about it because I think it really helps us to understand what God's purposes are and how we align with that. And I think you'll find it fascinating. I hope you do as as I do. But I I want to ask and answer the question this morning, why are we here? Why are we here? So to do that, let's turn to Revelation chapter 19. We'll go... If you're one of those folks that reads the last chapter of a book before you begin a book, here you go. This is us right here. Revelation chapter 19. The Apostle John, as a lot of you know, was was exiled to the island of Patmos. 
It was there that Jesus spoke to him and gave him the revelation of things to come for the world, for the church, for his saints. And he, he also helped us to understand God, Jesus gave his revelation of what eternity would look like. It's all in this book. Turn with me to Revelation. Keep your finger in Revelation 19 because that's where we're camped today. But look at Revelation chapter 1. Let's look at John's, John's uh, passion for this. Revelation chapter 1. I'll just start at verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. So are you getting that? Jesus had a revelation of these things, and he gave it to his servant John. And John is now writing the book. Let's keep going. And he says this, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. And I, I think you need to underline, for the time is near. Okay, we'll talk about this in a few minutes. But I want you to understand this morning, the time is near. When those who are, are watching prophecy, those who are watching the, 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 the horizon of the, of the landscape here on earth, we understand that all the levers are being are falling into place for God's imminent return. Now, our free church doctrine, statement of faith, our doctrine says that we believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ and the imminent in the rapture of the church, the kidnapping, the taking away of the church. And we believe that any moment, while we're speaking here this moment, God, the trumpet could sound, the shofar could sound, we would hear the shofar, and we would be taken up on a rapid express elevator to be in the presence of the Lord. And John says in the beginning of his letter, the time is near. Blessed are those who read this prophecy. Blessed are those who meditate on these prophecies. Blessed are those who dwell and camp in these prophecies. And why do we do it? Because the time is near. I don't want us to forget that. And then look over to, um, let's just start at verse 9. He goes on and he describes it this way. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. See, he's relating to us, isn't he? He's relating to those who are being persecuted. He's relating to those who are walking with Jesus. He's relating to those who who are, are suffering for their faith. And he says, I'm your brother. And I'm a partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Christ Jesus. And I was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I wonder what, I wonder what that loud voice sounded like. John says, it sounded like a trumpet. It was a clarion call. I heard behind me a, a loud voice like a trumpet. And the voice said this. Right? Sound, sound guy, are you ready? He shouted it out. A loud voice came to the Apostle John. And he said, 
I want you to write down what you see in a book, and I want you to send it to the seven churches. And by the way, there's a church at 41 in Angler in Chaska, Minnesota, a few thousand years from now that's going to read these passages too. And they need to know it, because blessed are those who read these prophecies and camp in them. So Valley Free, these words are for you this morning. God gave a revelation to his son Jesus, and Jesus gave them to John so that you could read them today and we could be part of it, so that we could know what God's purposes are about. Amen? Somebody say amen. Holy cow. So what's John telling us? That the time is short, that Jesus came and gave him a message, and we need to read it, we need to know it, we need to take our hope from it. So go back to Revelation chapter 19. The backdrop for this amazing passage, you know, we, we just can't walk into a passage and, and, and even attempt to understand it without knowing what's coming before it and what's coming after it. So we need to understand what's going on behind the scene. What, how did we get to Revelation 19? And, the, and you have to read chapter 18, which we're not going to do this morning, but it's, chapter 18 refers to the fall of Babylon. God has just executed judgment on the great city of Babylon, the centerpiece for the world, for the pagan kingdom. And it's an awesome display of power. But I want you to look closely at why God judged the city. Look at Revelation 18, verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets. Rejoice in this. Rejoice in this judgment over the city of Babylon, for God has given judgment. What's it say? for you against her. God has brought his justice. How, how often do we long for God to bring his justice? How long do we, do we see suffering? How long do we, do we endure? How long do we... Now, we're not suffering like the, 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 the people in this passage are. They were, it says that the blood of their, their blood was on the streets of Babylon. We haven't suffered to that point yet. But how, long, how often do we, do we sit back and we say, God, when will you make it right? When will you balance the scales? When will you bring justice? And that's exactly what he says here in Revelation 18. For God has given judgment for you against her. And then go down to verse 24. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on the earth. Why does God destroy the great city? Because of the blood of the saints. He judges the city for you. Okay. I thought we were talking about the Great Valley get-together. I thought we were talking about why are we here today. So why in the world are we talking about Babylon and the destruction of Babylon and the, and the martyred saints of Revelation chapter 18? Stay with me. You're probably wondering where in the world I'm going, but stay with me. Now let's go to Revelation chapter 19, verse 1. After this, now remember, John is, a, is, a, is an onlooker in Revelation. He's looking at the... Jesus is revealing to him what's happening. He's just revealed to him the destruction of Babylon. He has seen all of that. And now we come to verse 1 of chapter 19. And he says this, After this, after this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to put myself in the, in, the, in the place of John in this story. John, in his, in his vision of heaven, is distracted once again. I, I wonder if, he, if, he's not, if he's not looking at 
Babylon and this whole scene over here and what's going to happen to this great pagan city of Babylon and the destruction that's coming. Destruction in one hour. I wonder if he's looking at that. I wonder if there's smoke rising from it and, and all, the, all the way that it's described in chapter 18. And all of a sudden he hears these voices in the background, a great multitude of voices, he says. The loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. So I wonder if he spins around to see where is that coming from. Are you, are you understanding the story here? The scene? It's an amazing scene. And I ask myself, so who were the great multitude? Well, they were the martyred saints of Babylon. And what were they shouting? They were shouting, praise, praise to God for their, salva- for their salvation and for his retribution on the evil that was perpetrated on them. The blood on the streets for the persecution, for the abuse, the martyrdom. They immediately set out to praise God for his great salvation. Now, can you imagine the sound of a multitude in heaven shouting hallelujah? A a little note about the word hallelujah, it only appears here. I understand it appears in the Psalms in some places, but in in the New Testament, it's only here in Revelation 19. It means praise Yahweh. It's, it's simple, but it's, it's full. It's full. Listen, you people, do you see what God has done? Now turn in response of worship to him. And that's what they did. That's what the great multitude was. So help me out here. How does it sound? Hallelujah. Now, if God just destroyed a city on your behalf to make sure everything is equal, to make sure that his kids are protected and lifted up as his kids, and he brought great salvation like that, would you say, Hallelujah. Yeah, that's it. Do it again, Arnie. There you go. Now, let's do it again, all of us. Come on. Oh, that's pretty good. I expected to do this three or four times, but that was pretty good. Hallelujah. 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 Didn't we, Megan, you and the worship team just did an awesome job this morning. And one of the reasons it was an awesome job is because it started off with praising God for who he is. There's no I in it. There's no need in it. There's no supplication in it. There's no, there's no, there's nothing. It's nothing about us. It's only about this great salvation. That's where worship starts. Who does God say he is? How have I seen God in what he's doing? How have I caught him at being God this week in my life? And I imagine, you know what? I'm getting way ahead of myself. We just need to stop here for a second. I want to dial in on God's great purpose. Turn with me to chapter 4, or verse 4. Let's go on. So they, they thank God for his great salvation regarding Babylon. And then now the scene in heaven turns to this. And the 24 elders... And the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was, who was seated on the throne. Okay? Yeah, do you understand what's happening here? There are elders, there are 24 elders and the four living creatures that are always around the throne. And I don't want you to miss this because it's real easy to miss this idea. But God is seated on the throne. John sees God himself seated on the throne. I don't know if you've ever tried to imagine that. Can you imagine the most brilliant light that you, do, that you have never seen? Do you imagine power and holiness being almost a physical aspect, just coming out of God? That's God seated on the throne. We can't begin to imagine what that looks like. 
And John looks at this scene and he says, you know what? The 24 elders who are always around the throne and the four living creatures who are always around the throne, they're always there worshiping and praising God. Now they fell on their knees in light of this great salvation. They saw the worship of the people, of the saints, and they too fell to their knees. And they said this, amen. And then, hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. I don't know who the voice is. I, I, I don't know. I haven't studied that extensively on this passage to know who the voice is. I wonder if it's an archangel, if it's Gabriel or Michael. And from the throne came a voice, and it was saying this, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. What is that? What's he doing? It's a call to worship. It's an invitation. All you, his servants, and we could point the finger at every one of us, and he says, small and great, you who fear him, come and worship the Lord. How about that for a purpose statement? And we desire to give honor and glory to God. That's in our purpose statement. We desire to glorify God. That's worship. And that's the invitation right here in Revelation 19. Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Young, old, I don't care if you're two years old or a hundred years old. I don't care if you're the, the, the big name in town or if you're a nobody in town. I don't care whatever characteristics you want to apply to yourself or to others. The, the, the voice here, and I believe it's another clarion call, it's another trumpet-like voice that says, you need to come and worship the king. Worship the Lord. It's a call to worship. And then we go down to verse 6. And now, now John is, remember he's watching all of this, and I wonder if he doesn't turn around again, and he says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. Here we are again with the multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out. What's, what does it, what does what would the sound of mighty waters sound like? Who knows? But here's, here's my attempt at it. You ever been walking in the woods? And you're walking along a river and you can hear the, the, the brook kind of babbling. And when we lived in Romania, we lived near the mountains. So this was a common experience for us to hear mountain streams coming down and, and tumbling over the rocks. And you could, it was just a pleasant sound. But if there's a waterfall off in the distance, what do you hear? You start to hear this little this little sound coming and then you walk down the trail a little farther and as you get closer to the waterfall and if it's a really big waterfall it, it, it just begins to thunder it's been I haven't been to Niagara Falls since I was about this tall but I wonder if Niagara Falls doesn't sound like the voice of many waters That's, John is trying to help us understand what this multitude of voices sounded like do you, do you get the idea the fullness of praise do you get the, the, all this is about God. This is all about God seated on the throne. We're forgetting all about ourselves. We're forgetting all about everything else. And the thunderous praise that goes out from the scene is amazing. It's just amazing. And they said this. Now we, remember, we had a call to worship. The angel came and, and called out a call to worship. Said, all you great and small... And this is the response of the multitude. I can't imagine. Multitude probably means unable to count. So many people. 
And there it is again. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. There it is. It's all pointed to Jesus. It's all pointed to God on the throne. It's all about God. It's all about his presence. It's all about his power. It's all about his salvation. And it's a mighty proclamation of worship. It's beyond anything we can imagine. I want you to... Don't forget this. This is not just a, a study this morning. This is, we're not just walking through this verse by verse or thought by thought so that you can put it away in a file someplace. Brothers and sisters, you're going to be in that multitude. If you are in Christ Jesus, you better learn this song because we're going to sing it. And you don't want to get it wrong if you're singing with your whole voice and you're shouting it out as loud as you possibly can because of the praise that will be welling up inside of you. You're going to be there. And this is the song we're going to sing. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. I wonder, have you just considered your salvation lately? Have you stripped away all the expectations you have of God? and all the things that you maybe don't know about God and all the, all the busyness and we talked about the calendar and all of that stuff. Have you ever just stripped it all away and dialed right into the salvation that God has given to you? Have you ever done that? I think we should do it daily. I know I need to do it daily because as soon as I get it, as soon as my, my, my leash on that gets too far, it gets too long, I start to moan and complain because God doesn't do this and God doesn't do that. There will be none of that in heaven. None of that. It's just going to be God and his salvation. And I'm, I, I think I'm convinced from the book of Revelation that we're just not going to get past it. It's going to be such a remarkable reminder every time. And, and you know, I'm struck by the scenes in the book of Revelation where the angels and the multitudes are continually falling down singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and singing songs like this, the one that we're reading today over and over again. What's up with that? I believe that our, our, our view of salvation will be so overwhelming that we'll never get to the bottom of it. And every time a new thought comes along as to what God has done for us, we'll fall on our knees and we'll say again, I didn't deserve it. I wasn't worthy. And God came and he did this for me anyway. He reached down into the pit that I lived in. He pulled me out and he brought this great salvation to me. Am I, am I beating this horse to death? You're going to be there. You're going to be there. And this is the song we sing. I have no idea where I am. Okay, here's, here's where we need to dial in on this scene. This, this is all preliminary. For today, this is where we need to camp. The second part of verse 7. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Okay, now John is taking in this scene. The bride of Christ is there and they are rejoicing, exalting, and giving God the glory. Why? Because the marriage of the Lamb has come. What in the world is the marriage of the Lamb? And we'll read a little bit later. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. So here's, let me just give you a little, a little prophecy 101. Okay? 
I've already said that at any, at any moment we could be raptured out of here. God's going to, God, Jesus is not going to come to earth. He's going to come in the air. If the trumpet's going to sound, it's going to be a shofar. It's going to be a crystal clear clarion sound. And in that moment, you and I will be taken right up here. It doesn't matter if there's a roof there or not. We're going to be gone. Thank you. Thank you. No, they're not going to bump your heads. You're going right on through. Now here's the marriage supper of the Lamb. I don't know exactly how this works. Are we going to just go right to our place at the table? Or are we going to come in through a large, large opening, a large gate in the, in, in the city of Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem? I, I don't know how it works exactly, but I do know this. In, in the very moment that we're called away, we're going to be taken to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is where Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, is, is united, is married with his bride, the church. That's you and me. That's the great multitude that no one could number. At that moment, there are going to be, there's going to be a, a wedding feast that is beyond any wedding feast that you can ever possibly imagine. Somebody told me once, nobody knows if this is true or not, that if you take one bite out of one piece of fruit, you'll be full forever. That's how good the food is. That's how rich the feast is. And there's going to be a great banquet there. And Jesus Christ will be seated at the head table. And we will all be there. And I wonder if we won't be, we won't be singing in these songs again. I wonder if we won't get very, very proficient at saying, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe sometimes we'll shout it out and other times we'll just barely get it whispered out because it's so overwhelming what Jesus Christ has done for us. Okay, so here's what here now. Now what's going to happen at the marriage supper of the Lamb is Jesus is going to pull you aside, pull me aside, and I don't know how this looks either. I don't know exactly what, you know, if there's a big stage. I, I don't know, but Jesus is going to judge us. Now the fact that you're there means that you're already in Christ. It means that this judgment is, has nothing to do with salvation. You are already saved. If you weren't saved, you wouldn't be here. If you aren't saved this morning, you're not going to be there. Okay? There's another judgment for you. There's a judgment for those who have refused Jesus Christ. This is not it. This is called the Bema Seat of Judgment. Or Bema Seat. This is the judgment where, God, where Jesus Christ looks at our lives and says, okay, what did you do with this, with this great salvation that I gave to you? And I don't have time to go into the passages. You can go into 1 Corinthians, and 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 2 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 4 and 5. Paul talks about, about this judgment. He says, he says you know, you'll be, you'll be judged by fire and those things that are made out of wood, hay, and stubble and don't belong to Jesus, they're going to get burned off. And only the things that belong to Jesus will remain in your life. Okay? It's not about salvation. You yourself will survive the fire. It's just, it's like, it's like gold being, being refined and the dross is being burned off. Anything that doesn't belong to Jesus, anything that doesn't belong in heaven, is just going to be gone. It's just going to be gone. And then another part of the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat of Jesus, is, is that in this judgment, the, the scriptures talk about crowns that will be given. And, and 
if we fall in the categories of those crowns, you will receive a crown, the crown of righteousness, the crown of life. I, I, five or seven crowns, I don't remember exactly. That's when we hear, well done, good and faithful servant, at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Okay? All that is going on with a multitude, a, a multitude of people that cannot even be numbered. And brothers and sisters, listen to me. If you are in Christ Jesus today, you're going to be there. You're going to be there. Now, a few years ago, we had a, we had a, um, a, a guy come in. I think he was from Campus Crusade for Christ. And he came in and did this dramatization of the Bema Seat. Anybody, anybody remember that? Maybe we should do that again. It was great fun. It was just really something. And he, he went through several characters who went forward to have their lives reviewed by the Lord Jesus. And it was amazing. And at the end of it, one of the guys, one of the guys realized, you know, I, I squandered this great salvation that Jesus gave. I'm here. I am in Christ Jesus. But I realize I, I live my life in such a way that I don't have anything to offer Jesus today. Brothers and sisters, we don't want that for you. The Apostle Paul looked at these great truths and he said, he said, I desire to invest in your life. He says it all through his epistles. That was the objective of the Apostle Paul that you would experience the fullness of God on that day. My heart's desire, the elders' heart's desire, I hope our desire as a church family is that all of us would be prepared for that day. That's what we're doing today. That's why we do the things on the calendar that we do. That's why we offer the studies that we do. That's why we have life groups is so that we can all be molded and shaped into the image of Jesus Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit at work among us. Why? So you can be ready for that day. I want you to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want you to sit in the back row at the, at the top of the, of, the, uh, of the arena and say, I wish I had something to offer today. A number of years ago, our daughter got married and uh, we had the, the groom's dinner and it was my time to give a speech at the wedding. And... Uh, it just really struck me that we were giving our daughter away and, and those of you who have given your daughters away know that that's a pretty special moment. And I looked around the room and I really, this is part of my presentation to my future son-in-law at the time. You know what? A lot of people have invested in this, this young lady. Moms and dads, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, grandpas and grandmas, church, school teachers other people have invested in her life to make her the woman that she is today other people have molded and shaped her along the way so that she could reflect the, the power and glory of Jesus so that we could give her to you today my son-in-law later said oh I was shaking in my boots <laughs> I didn't know if you're going to give her to me or not and we can all attest that our future son-in-laws probably aren't we're kind of scared about giving our girls away to that. 
but not to Jesus. Not to Jesus. Do you know the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, is sitting on his throne today longing for the day when you come into his presence. Longing for the day when he can look you in the eyes and say, well done, good and faithful servant. So what does that mean? That means he's, he's, he's about the business of molding and shaping you today. I want you to, we've got to finish our passage here. Verse 9. Now remember, John is standing there observing all of this. And I wonder if he's looking at all of this and if he's just, uh, is, is your mouth hanging on the floor, laying on the floor, looking at all these, these scenes that, are, that heaven is, is giving to John, that the angel is giving to John. And, the, and I wonder if the angel didn't tap him on the shoulder right here in verse 9. And the angel said to me, John, are you with me? John, don't, you don't, quit looking over there. Look, pay attention to me, John. And he says this, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to, to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's no higher calling than to come into Jesus Christ and to look forward to this day that he has for us. And in eternity with him, we cannot imagine. We cannot imagine. So what do we do? We worship the King. We give glory to God. And our purpose, uh, Catherine, if you could put them up there, please. Purpose and mission statement. Next slide. Worship the King. We want you to learn how to worship by yourself. And we want you to be involved in corporate worship. So as... We, we're a nonprofit. we're a volunteer organization, we can't make anybody do anything. But we have this expectation, and that is that would you come and be involved in corporate worship. The statistics today say that the, the regular attendance of Christians is going down. And somebody who regularly attends a church is somebody who just attends once a month anymore. That's not going to teach you how to worship for this day. If we're going to prepare you for worship on that day, then you need to be here because you know what? You will not be by yourself. I don't know if you caught this in Revelation 19, but it's talking about the multitude, the multitude, the multitude, the multitude of voices that sounded like many waters. We're all going together, people. And so do you want to learn how to worship? You want to be ready for that day? Come, let's worship together. Here, in your life groups, in your studies, whatever. We need to take in God's word. We need, God has given us his word as a revelation to us so that we can know who he is. If I'm not in God's word, I will not know who he is. So we get into God's word so that not only for us to be able to walk daily and day to day in the ways that God has given to us and for us to experience his power, to experience his grace, to experience all that he has for us, we're also knowing God's word so that we can recognize him when we get there. We need to be about confessing our sin. We need to be living in fellowship. We need to be investing in others. You see, the, 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 we are calling all people into an abundant life in Jesus Christ. Calling all people. That's the whole spectrum of discipleship. From pre-believer to mature believer. Everything in that, in that spectrum. We want to call you to the abundant life in Jesus Christ.
And then we want you to be equipped for ministry. We would like you to serve in at least one ministry here at Valley Free Church. You know, I told you earlier that I joked that I've tried to get you here three or four times a week. Well, we realize that's, that's, counter, that's just not working for us. That's, that we want you to be out in the community. We want you to be with your families, living life in those arenas. If we have you here every night of the week, that's not happening. But we do want you here for one ministry. If you come to me and say, you know, I, I appreciate you asking me to be part of this or that, but I'm already involved heavily in this ministry, we have nothing to say. That's okay. Just one. If you want to be involved in more, that's, that's great. We want you to be learning the skills of what it means to give your faith away, to invest in the lives of other people, to be shaping your skills for ministry so that you can go out into the world and be practiced at ministry in the world. We want you to do that here. And we want you to feed yourself spiritually. We have lots of opportunities here to learn in community. But our primary vehicle, as we said earlier, is to join a life group. And then we want you to be proclaimers. We want you to be, as we, as we proclaim, as we prepare ourselves for that day, we want to be those who have proclaimed Christ all throughout our lives. Evangelism, missions, missions giving and missions going, it's all part of it. I want to close with this. It's real easy. You could look at me and say, Sindelar, you just gave me a list of to-dos. You gave me a list of expectations. You think I should be doing this, 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 and this. And it's all about doing. And I want to to end on this thought. It's not about doing. It's about discovering. It's about getting your hands dirty. It's about getting involved. It's about getting into God's word. It's about experiencing the life of Jesus in your own life. And that's about discovering him. And you can't do it if you're sitting home watching TV. You have to dive in. The... uh, Pastor Christy from our sister church in Pitesh, Romania presents a conference. It's called Striga Visilto. It means shout your dreams. And uh, they're presenting one in, in October. And they gather groups of young people and I looked at some of the videos of it and it's not just young people. It's, it's people from all over. And they've done this in other cities as well. And the whole premise is we want you to know all that God has for you. God has given you a dream. God has given you a pathway. God has given you a future and a hope and a purpose. And we want, you, we want to help you discover that. And if I can do that as your pastor, if the elders can do that, or if we can do that as a church family, if you can look back on your life and say, God got me here. God did amazing things with my life. God turned the world upside down through me. But I got my start at Valley Free because the people came around me and they loved on me and they said how can we help you get there let that be said of us we exist to glorify God amen amen worship team is going to come forward I'm going to ask Mary Lou to come up here and um, Mary Lou you need a microphone